Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Shall we worship together? Would you stand and sing with us, please? One, two, three, four. Welcome to church. This is a place of love and hope and safety and forgiveness. We'll be the food for the hungry and the living water for the thirsty. We're so glad you're here. You are invited. You're loved. And come on in. We've been waiting on you. You're welcome here. The children, too, are welcome here because know that we welcome your smiles, your wiggles, your giggles. My name is Rex Donnelly. I've been a member here with my wife Carol for 17 years. We, I think I told you the last time I, I spoke that uh, this 
We were going to go out searching for churches, and we came here, and we never left. And there's reasons for that. We moved to Helotus. We didn't even, couldn't pronounce it, let alone knew really, really uh, where we were at. We didn't know a soul, and before we knew it, our church family had us in their homes for Thanksgivings, for Christmas, and made us feel like we were part of their family, and we feel that today, and that's why we're here. And we welcome you in the same manner. And so if you're a first-time visitor today, we'd ask that you fill out the blue card that's found in the front of your pew so we can reach out and welcome you in the same manner. This morning, our uh, moment of mission is brought to you by Carl Clutie. He's going to highlight an important mission, an outreach opportunity for children. Carl? Uh, hi, folks. Just a few words for me to introduce a little video. Uh, my records show that we've been participating in Samaritan's Purse, Purse's Operation Christmas Child since 2006. Is that right, Gail? You got that? Uh, I believe that last year alone, Samaritan's Purse, along with our contributions, was able to reach nearly 11 million children worldwide with these gifts and to, in, and to introduce them and their families to the saving knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. What a gift we're able to give. With such a small sacrifice of love on our part, they will rise with us or be caught up alongside us when our Lord returns we can participate as the hands and feet of Christ in the salvation of his people. When you think about it, this is really one of God's gifts to us. Packing boxes, instructions, and materials are on the table in the narthex waiting for you. come off those boxes, you've never seen such pure joy. So many smiles, the children just become wild and crazy. It's indescribable. To watch that child open that box for the very first time and see the look on their faces, it's amazing that God used a simple shoebox to bring that much joy. This is amazing as you can see. The children's faces, they're excited as they open up the gifts for the first time. What makes the gifts more than just gifts is the message that comes with the gift. This is the opportunity for a child to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the best gift of all, this becoming part of God's family. Thank you. We are very happy. God bless you. Yay! <laughs> People back behind us, they're giving their time. Families have given boxes, the enthusiasm, the excitement, it's off the charts. We're just so thankful for these volunteers. We couldn't do it without them. They are the heart of the ministry. And because of them, many children, like even me, accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior. What children need more than anything is love, hope, and faith in God. Every shoebox gift is an opportunity to share your faith. We thank you for this ministry that is yours, that you use a shoebox gift to go around the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
It starts with a simple shoebox gift, and from there, these gifts go around the world and are given to each child. It could be in a pickup truck, it could be the top of a bus, the roof of a taxi, camels and donkeys, canoes going up the river, whatever it takes to get these gifts into the hands of children. And that's only the beginning. After children receive the box, they get to go through a 12-lesson discipleship course. And these children, they're committing their lives to Christ. And they get to share their faith with other children. After a child completes the greatest journey, they graduate and receive a certificate and a Bible in their own language. My name is Romina Alejandra. I really like to draw and cook. One day, I was drawing and I wanted some markers. And I asked my mother if she could buy them for me. She said no, because she didn't have the money. Today, we received gift boxes. When I opened the box and saw the markers, I was very excited. I learned about God through the box. Today, I prayed that Jesus would come into my heart. I am very grateful to everyone, to God and to you all for bringing me this box. This box provides the opportunity to put a smile on a child's face, gets them to know more about Jesus Christ, and also be disciples so that they can be disciple makers in the world. They're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others. And many times in areas where it's an unreached people group, the Bible tells us the time is now. We have seen churches being planted. We have seen people being transformed. The mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus, and children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is incredible. Millions of children around the world are being impacted by these simple shoebox gifts. One box can touch not just the child, but the whole family. So we need to keep packing those boxes and pray for the children that God will use this in a very special way. So thank you for being a part of it. God bless you. I'll give you the update on the pumpkin patch. The patch is here. And I had no idea what you guys do over the month of October, how you volunteer your time, your talent, your gifts, your service, and your witness. Yesterday, we had trunk or treat, and I couldn't have known when Jessie was putting together trunk or treat uh, the impact she would have on this community. She kept saying, Cheryl, hundreds, maybe in a thousand will come. I'm like, Jessie, really? Jessie, how many people do you think came through the pumpkin patch and the trunk or treat? At least 500, maybe. Not all at one time. They came in kind of shifts. But for everyone who volunteered a trunk or has been in the pumpkin patch or has prayed for the pumpkin patch, or would you just stand up for a moment and let us recognize you, please? We know who you are. Thank you. This is October 23rd. I understand we're almost there. But fabulous job yesterday. I want to congratulate you on your work. She's going to take a day off just to not even answer the phone, so please don't call her on Monday. Amen. Come on up, Jesse, and do your announcements, please. All right. Good morning, church family, and thank you again, as Pastor Cheryl said, for your 
donations, your presence, and your prayers for Trunk or Treat. Um, thank you is not big enough to say, but I don't have any other words. Uh, whenever we have something going on like Trunk or Treat or Pumpkin Patch, Easter Egg Hunt, those large community events cannot happen with staff alone at our church. You volunteers are the heart of that type of ministry. You're a heart of all ministries that happen in the church. And on behalf of the staff here, I wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for showing up and for supporting our community. And a lot of kids left with a lot of candy, and so they had a lot of fun, and it was perfect. We have campfire worship next Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m. We'll be out front in front of the fellowship hall. We're probably going to still be under a burn ban because this is Texas and we're in a drought. However, we have movie magic. We have a fake campfire that we'll put out, and the fellowship and the food and the worship together will be very real. And I invite you all to come next week. Jenny and I were discussing the menu for that, and I believe we're going to do Frito Pie because it's portable and it's easy to do. So if you like Frito Pie, come on out and uh, worship with us next week at 6 p.m. Also, the nursery is still hiring. We have not had any applicants for a nursery position. Um, in my experience, in the six years of hiring for the nursery, it is very slow going, and I can advertise it to my heart's extent online. But when people realize that it is a part-time, part-time job, they are no longer interested. I usually have better luck finding people by word of mouth. So if you know somebody who is looking for just a couple of hours here and there and who likes to work with kids, please send them my way or um, give me their contact information so I can reach out to them. I would really appreciate everyone's help. Looking for more nursery staff so we can continue to support the children's ministry here. Also, since we just watched Operation Christmas Child video, the Children's Ministry Parents is collecting donations for Operation Christmas Child. We'll have our packing party on November 6th um, during the Sunday School Hour. We provide hygiene kits out of our missions fund, but I ask parents to donate school supplies, um, hair care, you know, barrettes and stuff like that, and toys if you are able to, so we can pack those gift boxes. I believe last year we did 14, so I want to see if we can beat our record this year. Thank you. The scripture reading this morning is Psalm 84, 1 through 7. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My, song, my soul longs, indeed it faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Happy are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of spring, the early rain, also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. The God of gods will be seen in Zion. The word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. O oh Lord, we're ever grateful that you have given us this beautiful place to gather and worship you. We are so thankful that you've called each of us by name. We indeed find our strength and heart in you. Grant that we may share the goodness you have provided with all who are in need. May we lift our voices in song and praise to you 
now and always. Amen. I'd like to invite the kiddos forward for our spark moment. It's been so long since I've seen you all. I missed you so much. It was a long day. You guys helped out a lot. So come and sit down. Come sit down. You guys helped out a lot with Trunk or Treat. Did you have fun at it? Yes. Yes. Good. I'm glad everybody had fun. I had a question for you guys today. Do, have you ever heard the word perseverance? No. Yes? Ruby, do you know what it means? Maybe. No? Perseverance means to keep going when things get difficult. And it's an idea that we hear a lot in life because in life you're going to have obstacles pop up no matter what's, you know, no matter who you are and what you're doing. Things are just going to pop up. And perseverance is what helps you get through difficult times in your life. But as Christians, we need perseverance in our faith. That means that when we are facing a hard time and it is easy to question God and his judgment, it's easy to question what's happening around us, we need to persevere and hold on to what we know is true and not listen to the world around us. In the Bible, there's this dude named Paul. He's a pretty awesome guy, and he often relates Christianity or following Jesus to a race. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures from him comes in Hebrews, and he says, let us run with perseverance the race marked before us and follow Jesus because he is our example. And I think about that often when I'm struggling to run the race with perseverance. So when we head into Spark Worship today, we are going to talk about perseverance. We're going to be focusing on the same verse that Pastor Cheryl's speaking on in 2 Timothy. And we are going to have a whole lot of fun. We have a short obstacle course set up. I know you guys got a preview of it. Pathfinders is welcome to play on it during Sunday school. We won't be using it then. But if you're bored, you know, you can get up and run around. And we're going to sing. We're going to ask God to guide us with Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. And we're going to have a message. We're going to have a whole lot of fun. Are you guys ready for that? All right, let's bow our heads, fold our hands, and say a quick prayer. Say, Dear God, thank you for giving us the strength to run the race before us so we can meet you at the finish line. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's exit out the back. Thank you, Jesse. There's no obstacle course in here, darn. Well, pews and bells. I would say those bells are a pretty good obstacle course. How you guys get in and out of there. It's amazing. And what a beautiful job you've done this morning to bring us into the presence of God. Well, today is um, October 23rd. I'm Cheryl Broom. I'm your pastor here, hence the robe. <laughs> Phil said, why are you wearing a robe? Spoiler alert, it's in the sermon. He said, okay, okay. So, what we tend to do here for our prayer time is to raise our hand. If you have a prayer request, please give your name because I'll be jotting your prayer requests down so that we can pray over them during the week. And then give us your prayer requests. We'll say, Lord, hear our prayer, or we'll say, Lord, hear our praise. Okay? So if you're ready, please raise your hand. And remember, Phil loves to run. Susan, you went really fast. Susan. The praise is for Jessie and all that she does with our kids, 
with our congregation, with the pumpkin, I mean, the, the trunk or treat. She is just one amazing person. Lord, hear our praise. My concern is that we lift up the search for a sound tech, because we really, really need one. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> sound uh, tech. Okay. So if anybody knows of anybody who would be interested, has any type of experience for that, go see Cheryl. Thank you, Susan. We'll train them, and it'll be great. Thank you. Lord, hear our prayer. Uh, I would like to have prayers for all the children and young adults across the country and probably being affected around the world with respiratory viruses and other things that are occurring now. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's continue to pray for our country in all the battles that we seem to have coming over and over politically, religiously, and you know, Lord, the Lord knows we need a rest. We need to just to be able to celebrate and worship Jesus, and so that's why we come here as an oasis to do that. Let's also continue to lift the weather difficulties with so many. Either it's tropically raining and hurricanes coming up through Mexico up, or it's drought. And um, boy, it's hard. It's hard to be human. So let's ask God to give us a break with that too and surround us with his mercy and grace. Lord, hear our prayers. And now let's go before God in the silence of our own prayers to lift whatever concerns or joys that you have that you'd like to put forward now. And then we'll do our prayer time ended by the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. God, holy is your name. You are worthy of honor and glory and majesty and praise. With a word, you created the universe. It is only by you that our world is upheld. You formed all things. You created a way for us to know you. Nothing is unknown to you. And all things are possible for you. You alone are holy. You alone are worthy of our worship. And today, O oh God, we pray with open minds and hearts and hands that you would guide us, help us to hear your message proclaim that we might be moved to act on behalf of the world you created and cared for so deeply. All this we pray acknowledging Christ Jesus as our Savior and Lord as we pray together the prayer he taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As many of you have noticed, if you're not a guest here, I don't wear my robe very often because it's hot. I wear it generally when I do funerals. 
and next week we'll wear it when we do a baptism at 11 of three children. It's true. But I wear this as my uniform when I do a funeral for someone. And today we're going to talk a little bit about funerals. Okay, okay, not really funerals, but legacies. That is what we leave behind. And you know, when I meet a family, I'm always interested to know about the life of the people that I'm going to share a message about. What was important to them. What their life was about. And for many of the 150 funerals I have done in my years of ministry, that's 150, I have gotten to know the person. Either I knew them in their life, or I got to know them in their death as their family shared with me memories and stories. And once I hear those stories, I start to pray. And then I open the Bible and I ask God to give me Bible stories that are relevant to their life, that their story kind of matched up with the Bible story. And I love doing that. And then I start planning the service. I write down what mattered most to them, I then write down hymns, whether they select them or they let me select them. I write the prayers and the order of service, the bulletin. All of those things come together with prayer. Now, it's usually easier if I knew the person or if they would have left instructions behind. Many, many times we do not. As a matter of fact, my friend said her mother told her, I'm not going to leave anything behind. I'm going to let you all fight over it. Too often families do fight over it. It's true. So I wrote this little book. It's called It's Your Funeral, Leaving Nothing Undone, a workbook for planning your own funeral before you die. And I developed that book along with a class, and we would go over chapter after chapter things about your life and what you're leaving behind and what is your legacy, what mattered most to you. And I love that part of it. And it reminded me of the scripture that we are going to read in a few moments. It's on page 1085. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now, Timothy, 2 Timothy, only has four chapters in it. And Paul wrote each of these chapters to Timothy, his co-worker in ministry, who at the beginning was just a young man in ministry that he raised up with the help of his grandmother and his mother. And so this letter we're reading today is Paul's last letter. It's his legacy letter to Timothy. So if you'll open to 185, and let's read that together. And think of it in terms of legacy. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is judge of the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound teaching, but having their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away into myths. As for you, be very sober in everything. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Carry it out your ministry fully. As for me, I'm already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And from now on, there is a reserve for me, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, through the years that I've been in ministry, I have met plenty of people that had a great legacy, a good and solid legacy. And I have met my share of people who didn't have a really stellar legacy. A legacy generally means that the person affected the world in a positive way. People who are successful at something have a legacy of positive change, like Elvis. Really, for example, he left a legacy so that his name will always be associated with music, right? And generosity. That's what he did. He, you know, I read an amazing story about a legacy. It's interesting, I'll tell you about it. This person was the first billionaire in America. When he was 15 year old, years old, he started working. Yeah, Carl's like, do I know who he is? Yeah, that's our neighbor. Uh, 15, 16, started working. By the time he was 23 years old, he was a millionaire. Yeah, and by the time he was 50 years old, he became, for America, the first billionaire. His name, John D. Rockefeller. Now, John D. Rockefeller, at the time, focused everything he had, every relationship, every business occurrence, everything was focused on making money. And he did a really good job, didn't he? But then when he turned 53 years old, he started getting sick. He had a stomach ailment, he couldn't sleep, he couldn't eat, he was reduced to eating crackers and milk. He called in doctors from all over the world. You're a billionaire, you can afford doctors. He called in every expert he could find and no one could figure out what was wrong with him. And his doctors told him he probably wouldn't see his 54th birthday. And so as he struggled, as he laid awake in bed, as he continued to ponder his legacy, it dawned on him, ding, you can't take it with you. And so he decided right then and there to start giving away his money. Over the course of his life, he gave away $500 million. He started with his church, then poor and needy, and then in universities, and then in the medical arena. Did you know that his money funded the um, creation or development of penicillin? That came from his money in medical research. And, and as he began to release his money to all these wonderful, amazing sources, he began to feel better. And pretty soon he could eat. And pretty soon he could drink other than milk. And he had his energy back. Do you know how old he was when he finally died? 97 years old. Almost 98, just shy of 98 years old. Because I don't know why he lived so long after he released all that stuff that was killing him. And he began to open his life and his heart to the generosity of sharing with others. He was a Baptist. Northeast Baptist was his church. And towards the end of his life, he never missed a Sunday. He taught Sunday school nearly up until he died. 
What an amazing legacy, wouldn't you say? So then I read, I'm always interested in reading obituaries. Anybody else? Y'all don't read obituaries? Okay, me and Bobby and Jenny, that's our guilty pleasure. We read obituaries. And one day I found one that identified a really kind of bad legacy. And I want to read it to you. This is the obituary for Gary. I changed his name as to protect his family. Gary was born April 1941. He passed away June 22nd, living a long life, much longer than he deserved. He is survived by his three children. No, four. Oops, five children. Well, that's as of 2022. We believe there's one more that we know about, but there could be more. He loved abundance when it came to his self. And, but for his children, it was limited. From a young age, he was a ladies' man and an abusive alcoholic, solidifying his commitment to both with the path of destruction he left behind, damaging his adult children and leaving them broken. What kind of legacy do you think Gary left behind? Yeah, not a really good one. And you know what I wish? I wish that Gary could have met us at Helotus Hills or a church like us so that we might have been able to share with him the transforming love of Jesus Christ. What a difference that could have made in Gary's life, in the life of his children. Because when you are transformed, it doesn't just hit you. It goes like ripples out to those that you love, your neighbors, your friends, your family. And Gary could have used you. Why are we talking about legacy this morning? Well, we're, you know, you are good Methodist. We're talking about legacy because it's the season of legacy. Yeah, yeah. But not just the season of the pumpkin patch. <laughs> Although you have done, you have a great legacy serving this community through the pumpkin patch and pumpkin bread and trunk or treat. And no, it's not just the season because of the community Thanksgiving service. Although you have a wonderful legacy of teaming up with local community leaders and churches, and you give them word and song and pies. That's what I hear. I haven't experienced it yet, Christy. I'm longing for that day. Okay, mostly the pies. And that's on November 17th. And yes, that's a great legacy, but that is not why it's this season of the Thanksgiving service. No, we celebrate this season of stewardship. You already had it, right? You knew that we were doing it. Stewardship is the theme found in the Bible beginning from Genesis and ending in Revelation. Stewardship is all the way through. It is a calling rooted in creation, highlighted through the Bible, and influences the way we live and glorify God. Stewardship is defined as the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. In other words, stewardship is caring for things that belong to someone else. Now, can't we say that about anything in life? We think that we own a little plot of land. We think that we own a car. We think that we own things, and really, we are just stewards. Because sometimes, somewhere, somehow, this will all pass into someone else's hands. And during the time that we have it, we should take careful responsibility about how we manage that which is entrusted into our own hands. It reminded me of a story also from Adam Hamilton. I love Adam Hamilton. 
I think he's very wise, and he wrote a book called The Journey, and in it, he went to Jerusalem first because he wanted to refresh for himself the experience in Jerusalem. And as he was traveling through Jerusalem with his guide, he looked over into a field and saw a bunch of old men planting little sprigs. And he wondered, what was that all about? So he asked his guide, what are those guys planting, and why are they so old doing this? And the guide said, oh, what they're planting, that sprig, is an olive tree. And when they plant that olive tree, it will take 15 years for it to yield fruit. And it could produce for up to four or 500 years. So Hamilton asked, why are these senior citizens planting fruit that many of them will never harvest? And the guide said, they are planting for their children's children's children. Most of the people who were planting in that field that day will not enjoy the fruit of that harvest. They will not enjoy the shade provided by the tree they planted for others. And that is what stewards do. John Wesley, you know, I have to talk about him because he is our founder, and he had a lot to say about money. He wrote uh, one of his sermons was called The Use of Money. And in it, he gave three rules for Christian giving. Does it seem to you like John Wesley's always doing three rules for something? That was his magic number, because he's Trinitarian, right? So he had three rules for use of money. And I know you know what these are. Make all you can, give all you can, save all you can for as long as you ever can. The prayer team a couple weeks ago said, and yeah, and pray all you can. That was their addition to John Wesley's rules. John Wesley said, making all we can means we earn all the money we're capable of making, provided we are not hurting ourselves or others. Wesley specifically stated, we ought not gain money at the expense of life, nor at the expense of our health, which is in effect the same thing. He also noted that our employment cannot be harmful to our neighbor lest we violate the command to love our neighbor. He said, then, save all you can. By that he meant set aside money before spending frivolously on non-essentials and specifically before spending um, just to win the admiration of others. He said, on indulging, Oh, just John Wesley hurts my feelings sometimes. He noted that our daily experience shows the more that we indulge, the more the indulgence will increase. He also warned us as to accumulating a vast estate not to give all to one's children, particularly if the children would use it only to gratify themselves. Instead, he suggested giving enough to your children to keep them from poverty, and then giving the rest in whatever way would glorify God. Giving all you can means providing the essentials that your family needs, and then for the care of those who are in the church, and then for the care of those in the world. For John Wesley, that meant that he used 10% of his income to God, not as a ceiling, but as the floor where he started his giving. When he went to work in London, he started earning 30 pounds a year. And then he gave away 10% of that. And then he, out of that, 
he had 28% left. He followed his salary. His salary doubled to 60, and he decided to live on 28 pounds and give the rest away. And over the course of his life, especially with the sale of his books, he earned a significant income, and he gave about 90% of that income away by the time of his death. In doing so, Wesley was teaching us and modeling for us holiness and a desire to serve God. And he, he would say to us that you could tell your faith in God by your checkbook. I know I don't keep a checkbook anymore, but I've, if I looked at my bank statement, that would be a pretty good indication of my faith and what I believe about God. And so he asked us, what does your statement say about your spiritual life? Finally, he said, this is not the primary aim of Christian life. Giving is not, but loving God is. And when you love God and you love your neighbor, generosity follows. That is just the way of Christian life. And so for Wesley, tithing might be a good initial goal, but giving your time, your money, your heart was the real measure of legacy. Giving is an expression of worship. It means deeper worship. It's a sign of our faith and leads to deepening faith. And it's true. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there also is your heart. In Matthew chapter 6, 21. He said what we do with our money is just not a reflection and expression of our heart. It helps to shape and direct our heart. So being a good steward, giving generously, is part of our legacy as Christians. That's who we are. And today you're being asked to consider what you will give to your church in the form of a pledge for 2023 ministries. This card, these givings are for church members and longtime visitors. Guests should not feel any in any way they are um, asked to give. Do you remember when somebody joins the church, the questions that we ask them? We ask them to pledge that they will support this church with their time, their talent, their gifts, their service, and their witness. And then we ask the congregation to renew their pledge. And they all say, I promise to renew my pledge to support this church with my time, my talents, my gifts, my service, and my witness. And that's what we're asking you to do during stewardship time. Many of you will still get a card and a letter in the mail so that you'll have ample time to pray about what you discern to give. And again, guests and, and longtime visitors that don't want to give, just leave your card here. All of us who are members of Christ's Holy Church and us United Methodists are stewards of God's good care in future ministry here and out in the world. So I thought you'd like to know just a little bit more about the amazing ministries that you do here, that you've done in 2022, which your giving made a difference in Holotus, Texas, and beyond. Here's what you did, and there may be more. If I miss something, you tell me. In Mission and Outrage, uh, Outreach, Bagpack Ministry. Can we get a whoop-whoop or something for them? Thank you, Karen. <laughs> Operation Christmas Child. Thank you, Carl. How many years? Since 2016? 2006. Can you get a whoop-whoop on that? You are doing this. How many boxes last year, Carl? Do you remember? Okay. Call it out when you know. Haven for Hope. Barbara. Whoop-whoop. She gets a whoop-whoop. 
Helotus House of Neighborly Services, Bobby and Carol. <laughs> the San Antonio Food Bank. This church sent boxes out to 202 children last year. It's 202 lives exponentially reached with the gospel message. That's your stewardship. Our music ministry, including instruments, bells. Can we get a whoop with the bells? Who says you're a bunch of dinglings? You are amazing, and thank you for your gift of music and bells and music scores and orchestra members and music programs from our praise band, our choir, and our glory ringers. We're grateful for your ministry and music and all that you do. We also support here Bible study groups on Sunday. Roy, he's a serious Bible studier. And two women Bible studies on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Come on, Gail. Uh, we support gatherings for Emmaus here at our church, reunion groups, holy yoga, just for guys. Anyone is excited, but it's good. Community activities such as fellowship dinners and campfire worship and pumpkin patch, trunk or treat, Easter egg activities. Last year, you even had a health fair. Live nativity. Thank you, Susan. I need to add that to my list. They, you did a community uh, Thanksgiving service, which will be held here this year on the 17th in our sanctuary. First Filipina Seventh-day Advent Church meets here. The Boy Scouts are still with us. We are grateful for the Scouts. Young Life meets on Mondays in our fellowship hall. Uh, <laughs> They're a really great group and highly responsible. Our infrastructure and support. You have paid to support our computer systems, especially when they crash. Our sound systems, our podcasts, thank you, Susan, our Facebook and web updates. Yeah, upkeep of this facility. It's hard, isn't it, Jenny? On-site ministry team of dedicated employees who manage the day-to-day -day running of this church. That was a little louder than the facilities. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you, guys. Your giving made it possible for us to have too many worship services to count. For children messages, musicals, cantatas, projected screens, bulletins, resources for congregational care. Your giving supports all that for the life of this church. And our prayer teams have been praying over countless joys and concerns. It's amazing. We're the hub of the community for people to experience Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's what we do. And we need your help. I didn't hear that one. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. As you can see, stewardship is important. It is important to the life of this church, and your giving means that we can continue to have a legacy, a legacy of grace. Now, if you want to make your pledge today, you have a card, take it home, pray over it, or fill it out and put it into the tithe box, whichever works best for you. Or you can hold on to your card and continue to pray for it as we have a blessing of these stewardship cards on November 13th during worship. For all that you have done, I give thanks to God. For all that you will accomplish in the future through your stewardship, I give thanks to God for the kingdom, through the blessings, through your legacy. I give thanks to God.
Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bobby. That's the most affirmation I ever received on a stewardship sermon. But you're worth it because of the legacy that you are leaving. As a response to this, I ask you to consider your pledge cards that are in your bulletin and either leave it in the Welcome Center or take it home with you and prayerfully consider what legacy we will leave in 2024 for the ministries that you will fund through your giving. And as you consider that, let us stand in body or spirit that we might sing the doxology, which is our song of praise. called to use our gifts and graces in the world, to use everything you've been given. Don't leave this world behind with a thing left on the table because it won't do you a bit of good. So I pray that you'd find blessings in giving to your neighbors, to the community, and to the world. So let's see what our mission statement is, to say it together, to live it together, and to go out in the world and do it together. Amen? Let's say it. The mission of Lotus Hills United Methodist Church is to make new disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Thanks be to God. For singing and laughing and praying and giving thanks to God, I send you forth in the power of this blessing that you might receive bountifully, that you might bless others bountifully, and that you might live a life with the light of Christ shining in you so fully that others will want to know what you have. Amen? Amen. Go forth in peace. Amen.